My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. An Erio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week we will introduce, well, they're not all unsolved. Each week we will introduce our topic, <laughs> lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Who was 15 minutes late because she was outside digging a ditch. <laughs> true, sto- true story. True story. We had to call her and she said, so sorry, I've been outside digging a ditch. And it wasn't that I forgot that we were recording. I just thought we were recording later in the day because there was one time we did. Yeah, she said, don't we record at 1130? And we said, no, Maria, we've been recording at 11 a.m., Every over Sunday a for a year. Yeah. It's been over this a year at this scary. point. It, it gets scary, doesn't it? Because then you, because imagine this. Imagine like there was a murder and I got like called in to like be yeah. inter- interrogated. And they were like, well, what time do you record web crawlers? And I would have been like every week <laughs> we record web crawlers at 1130 a.m. on Sunday. And they would have been like, you do. So, so, and I would. Your I would, alibi would be wrong. It would be so wrong. And they'd be like, you're lying. Because Melissa and Allie both said that you're well aware that you record at 11 a.m. every week. This is why people are bad witnesses. <laughs> well, 100%. You know, Anna Nicole Smith was on uh, the stand about her um, getting money from her husband who passed away. And she oh. kept saying, they kept like drilling her about dates. And she kept being like, 
I don't remember anything. I don't remember dates. I don't remember times. Like, stop asking me. And that's why, that's how I would be. They they talked about that in the documentary. She kept being like, I literally don't remember dates and times. Like, I have amnesia. So on that subject, like, I have time blackouts. So don't, like, say that. Not literally, but like, I am the same way. I have no idea about dates, times. No. I I can't. No idea what I did last week. No idea. No. No, if you ask me what I did like on Thursday, it would take me like three hours to kind of (laughs) compose myself and be like, let me really figure this out. When I go to the neurologist for, I have to go like every year for my epilepsy checkup. And he does this check for my brain where he's like, what'd you have for breakfast two days ago? Like name 50 animals that you'd find in the zoo. 50? 50? Well, or he'll, no, you know what he'll do? He'll be like, (laughs) he'll be like, I'm going to time you for a minute. Name all the animals you can in the zoo. Like, who's the vice president? Like, who was the president two presidents ago? And no joke, I cry every time because I'm like, do normal people, can normal people do this? Like, I'm having a nervous breakdown. I don't know. Or he'll be like, what do you wear yesterday? When you're like on the spot. Oh, what did you wear? Probably Absolutely sweatpants. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever this is probably the same doctor. thing I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at it, doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think this is a brain thing. I think this is an everything, everyone thing. <laughs> that's a me thing. Anyways. Yeah, that's a me thing. Uh, Melissa, who are our patrons this week? We have Sierra, Kimberly, Diana, and Ashley. Ooh. Sounds like a band. Like a it does. pop band. Anyways, Melissa, what is our episode for today? Okay, today is actually an unsolved mystery. Ooh, la, Hell la. yeah, I was right in the beginning. You were. Okay, <laughs> so Joshua Maddox went missing after leaving his home in Colorado to go for a walk in 2008. He remained missing for seven years until his body was found in the chimney of an abandoned cabin two blocks from his house. Uh, Okay, Santa. Yeah. The coroner ruled it an accidental death, but the odd details surrounding the case will make you wonder if foul play was involved. Did someone get away with murder? Let's get into it. So Joshua Maddox was born on March 9th, 1990. That's my birthday. I know. Except I'm 86. Damn. And he lived in Woodland Park, Colorado. He did really well in school. He was a musician and a writer. He played the guitar and he was like really well liked. He was like a fun, nice dude. And his parents divorced and he lived with his father and his two sisters, Kate and Ruth. And in 2006, his 18-year-old brother, Zachary, died by suicide after battling (gasps) depression. So that might be important to know. So on March 8th, 2008, one day before his birthday, 18-year-old Joshua left his home to go for a walk. He was like a big fan of nature and he went out hiking alone, but he didn't come home that night. So his family was really concerned and they they contacted his friends and they searched homeless shelters and campgrounds, but they couldn't find him. And because he had just turned 18, his family considered the possibility of him having started a new life elsewhere. Like maybe he just got up and left. But when they didn't hear from him five days later, they reported him missing. Also, they wondered if his brother Zachary's death had anything to do with his disappearance because it was the two-year anniversary of his suicide. And Zachary was also 18 when he killed himself. So it was like a weird anniversary. 
But everyone said Joshua seemed totally happy and normal in the weeks leading up to his disappearance. And seven years went by without hearing anything from Joshua. And his sister Kate had always hoped that he simply just like skipped town to go play music or start a different life. And she wrote this in a blog online. She said, since Josh was 18, it had been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I've always chosen to believe that this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so they can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent. So maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. Huh. So his father, Mike, kept ownership of the family home even after they moved, just in case Joshua would ever return. Oh. Because that would be the only place he would have known to go, which is so That's sad. heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. So no updates about Joshua were heard until 2015 when a neighbor who was demolishing their home made a very grim discovery. So two blocks from the Maddox's home, this guy named Chuck Murphy bought a cabin back in the 1950s. And it had been previously known as the Thunderhead Branch, which was like this infamous drinking and dining establishment owned by Big Bert Bergstrom. Oh, boy. Big Bert. Big Bert's Thunderhead Branch. So Bert had come to America from Sweden in 1912. I bet you 100% that Big Bert was actually very tiny. <laughs> I bet a cute little Swedish man. You know what I mean? Like people Hello, who have Bert nicknames. Bergstrom. It's always the opposite. Like Big That's Bert's funny. like five feet tall. Yeah. That's why they called me Ugly Maria. Because I'm so... Yeah. <laughs> No, that's Maria, why that's everyone not. calls me ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maria, that's why. That's definitely why. So, Big Bert Bergstrom, he ran the Thunderhead Inn as a dining and drinking establishment after the end of Prohibition. However, he used the ranch as an illegal gambling den and was rumored to offer prostitution. Ooh. He was arrested by the FBI, but the jury full of people who weren't narcs found him not guilty. <laughs> they were like, fuck you, that's cool. Gambling's cool. Uh, so anyway, Chuck's brother had lived in the cabin until 2005. And after he moved out, it became sort of like a storage facility with no one living in it. Huh. But it was like really old and needed repair. So it just kind of like sat there for like many years. And Chuck rarely visited it. But on August 6, 2015, after the cabin was basically empty for 10 years... Chuck decided to demolish it so he could like redevelop Ooh. the property and resell it. And while the excavator was tearing down the chimney, a mummified body was found. Uh, oh, God. Questions, questions, questions. Mo- boy, do I have questions. This is like very Elisa Lamb like, kind of. <gasps> yeah. Yes. So the body was in a fetal position with, with its legs. Above its head. Legs above its head. Okay. So dental records were compared with Joshua's and the remains were identified as Joshua Maddox. He was less than a mile from his home this entire time. Oh. And according to autopsy results, Joshua had no drugs in his system and his body had no sign of trauma. The county coroner, Al Bourne, said, quote, the hard tissue showed no signs of trauma. There were no broken bones, no knife marks. 
There were no bullet holes. There are no answers to a number of things. It's very confusing. Sounds like a riddle almost. Yeah. And what has no bullet holes, no knife marks. <laughs> and is in a fetal position in a chimney. Can I be honest? So far, it doesn't seem confusing to me. It seems to me like he wanted, well, I guess that's not true. Because why, if he wanted to break into this cabin, why wouldn't he just go through the door or a exactly. window? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Because I was like, <laughs> okay, he was just, because my brain was like, okay, he was just trying to break into the cabin and he got stuck in the chimney and died. But why wouldn't he just go through mm-hmm. a window or a door? Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. What I'm still, I'm invested. I'm still invested. Dad, if he died oh, inside awful. that chimney, like uh, assuming he didn't die outside of it and then got put in it. But if he died inside that chimney, that's the most horrible death. It's like yeah. being buried alive. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Suffocating yeah. and claustrophobic. Awful. Yeah. Ugh. So the coroner stated that his death had not been instant. He most likely oh, died no. of dehydration, yeah. which can take a few days, or hypothermia, which could take a day or two. And they ruled it as accidental because the temperature was about 21 degrees Fahrenheit. It was oh, freezing my God. out. Jesus. So the coroner's theory was that Joshua, who was six feet tall and 150 pounds, had tried to climb down the chimney and got stuck which meant that no one could probably hear his yelling. So would he have gone in like butt first? Is that how he would have ended up in the fetal position? Do you think? If he like went in the chimney butt like, first? Sque- like, yeah, like squeezing. Yeah. That, yeah, it's, con- yeah. Or he could have gone in like head first and then at one point like got stuck or something and tried to maneuver himself. And oh then- my God, this is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> this is horrific. Uh, so however, Chuck Murphy, the owner of the cabin, he doesn't think it was an accident. He thinks someone stuffed Joshua inside the chimney. Oof. And if this is the case, that would have likely taken two people in order to position Joshua the way he was found. Yeah. Also, Joshua would have had to enter the chimney head first. Oh, wow. I'm like a, I'm like a CSI person. Yeah, you're a CSI person. <laughs> an investigator. <laughs> Allie Siegel, CSI person. <laughs> Uh, sorry, hey, uh, this is my badge, CSI person. <laughs> CSI person. <laughs> so there are three main reasons why most people believe foul play is involved. So first, Chuck said the chimney had been fitted with a steel rebar, a large, thick wire mesh hung from steel hooks used to keep raccoons and debris from becoming lodged inside the chimney or from entering the cabin itself. Like the, he, he claimed that he put steel bars on top of the chimney to stop oh my God. from getting in. This is what he claimed. However, when the body was found, the cabin was a construction zone. So if there was a rebar, it had already been demolished and taken away. So there's no way to know if there was, in fact, a rebar there. Like Chuck was like, I put a rebar there. But the people who demolished it were like, I don't know. We don't know if we saw one because we like just demolished it. There's that Maria investigation, like, are you sure you put a rebar? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think I did, but now I don't know. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, is my straightener p- still plugged in? I can't remember. I have to go back to the house. You know, it's like you never yeah. really know what these things. You never really know if your straightener's <laughs> still plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> Second, a large wooden breakfast bar was ripped from a wall in the kitchen and dragged over to block the chimney from inside the cabin. What? So that's weird. Like a um uh like a cabinet or like a breakfast bar was moved from the kitchen and put in front of the chimney, like the opening of the chimney. What? So why would why would someone do that? And then third, Joshua had only been wearing a thermal shirt when he was found. 
the rest of his clothes, including his socks and shoes, were inside the cabin beside the fireplace. Oh my God, this is like more like a Lisa Lamb, like clothes off, oh like God, stuffed yeah. in like a like a, a stuffed like container. What is going so, on? So like, why would he take his clothes off, go outside, climb onto the house and go down the chimney? What? He was only wearing a thermal shirt. Or he took his clothes off while he was stuck in the chimney and threw them down. Where were they found in the cabin? Where were the clothes in the cabin? It says they were found next to the fireplace. Okay. But huh. there there are different accounts. Some say they was found like on the ground next to it. And then I read somewhere that was like they were folded up on a chair next to the fireplace. But I don't I've read two different accounts where like I have a question. Yes. What if he went through the house through a door or a window and he's in the house? And then he hears someone coming into the cabin and he's like, I don't want anyone to know I broke in here. And so then he tries to Um. climb up the chimney to get out. um, But then he gets stuck in the chimney or something. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, I don't know. So meanwhile, the police had been receiving tips from people who claimed to know of a person who allegedly bragged about killing Joshua. Oh, no. Although the police ignored the tip at the time... One of those tipsters wrote a Reddit post explaining who their suspect was. This is crazy. This was posted on Reddit like four years ago. It says, I went to high school with this skinny, dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band. I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him and then went missing. Turns out that in addition to becoming a lot scarier looking, Andy had indeed headed down to New Mexico, where he found himself shooting the shit with the caretaker of a disabled guy and got invited over to their apartment. The caretaker gets in the shower, and when he comes back out, the disabled guy is stabbed to death, and Andy's gone. Oh, God. And so when Andy got arrested, he also claimed to have killed a woman in Tao and stuffed her body in a barrel. And so the cops had indeed found a woman stuffed in a barrel but already had somebody in custody for it and decided to stick with that guy instead. Oh, my God. Cops are such motherfuckers. Not all of them, listeners. Not all cops. Yeah. (laughs) The caretaker had died in a bar fight, and without him, the cops didn't have much in the way of evidence somehow, so that case against Andy was dropped, too. Like, the caretaker was like, yeah, I invited this guy Andy, and he stabbed the person I was taking care of and just left. Uh, He also said, several of us went to the cops saying, yo, Josh went missing. He was last seen with Andy, who's a murderer. Maybe you should check that out. And despite a fair amount of pestering, nothing ever really came of it. And by nothing, I mean the police mostly didn't even return our calls. Well, it's interesting that he he killed this woman and stuffed her in a barrel. Exactly. And then Joshua was found stuffed in another confined space. What I've learned from watching Criminal Minds is that serial killers... Patterns. Or repeat killers have a pattern Uh or something that kind of like is their signature. And that seems to be a signature. Yeah. They love patterns. They love like a good houndstooth. Yes. (laughs) Paisley. A floral zebra print. (laughs) They love cheetah prints so much. Yes. (laughs) Any pattern. People called in to report having heard rumors that Andy was bragging about having, quote, put Josh in a hole. This Andy kid was like bragging about this. Somebody had ripped a heavy bar off the wall in the kitchen and propped it against the fireplace. 
or the fact that Josh's stuff was already inside the cabin, meaning A, he'd already broken in and would have had to lock himself out to have to go through the chimney, and B, he might have noticed that either the flue or the big bar would have prevented it from getting in through the fireplace, or the fact that when he was found, Josh's knees were above his head, which sounds like he would have to go in head first. Yeah. Or maybe the fact that Josh was barefoot and naked from the waist down. Uh, this is just my opinion, but I don't care who you are. You don't try to climb head first into a chimney via a hole rusted through a metal grate with your dick hanging out. <laughs> as far as I can tell, True. nobody even bothered to call Andy to ask if he knew anything. By the way, from what I hear, Andy's still out and about doing his thing when he's not in the mental hospital. This kid Andy's still out there. All I'm saying is I wish they had done some police shit, open an investigation, try to track down some leads, interview some of the folks we've been calling tips for the last seven years, maybe check for some semen or something. I don't know. Just don't say accidental, dust off your hands and call it a day. So that was on Reddit. Let's take a small break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, shout outs, episode, video episodes a day early, ad free episodes, and more. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate for as little as $2 a month or just do a flat fee of like 30 bucks and you're a patron for the year. That's like one meal. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will read your review uh, on the show. And Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. Please call us. Uh, we are obsessed with your voicemails. And as usual, we will play them on the mini episode. Wait, we need our P.O. Box jingle. Oh, my God. Oh. We have a P.O. Box. Send your stuff to Webcrawlers, P.O. Box 48737. Los Angeles, California, 90048. We got to check that this week and see if we have any I tried stuff. to check it on Friday, but the key didn't work. So I have to. I, they said it would take a week for them to switch out the lock, and it's been over a week, and I just didn't want to deal with it. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll come yeah. back next week. Wow. Maybe we should just never check it again. <laughs> just be full of stuff. Yeah, just full of stuff. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So the Andy that this this guy is referring to is Andrew Richard Newman. He's from California. Oh, God, he's probably like on Bumble. Like I've probably matched with him. <laughs> in high school, he was in a band called the Bombers. The Chimney Sweeps. No, the Chimney Sweeps. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, he became a nomad and had various criminal charges against him, including for assaulting a police officer, disorderly intoxication, grand theft and battery. Jesus. And Andy moved to New Mexico in 2009, a year after Joshua went missing. Uh, months later, Andy was taken into custody after he was reported wandering around Texas County, knocking on doors, asking for water and food. And after processing his fingerprints through the system, it was revealed that he was wanted for the stabbing in New Mexico and also burglary in Washington. He has criminal record in at least six states. So he's a straight up criminal. Jesus. He also confessed to, to killing a woman, stuffing her in a barrel. And so, yeah, the police had already arrested someone for the woman's murder, and they decided to charge that person instead of Andy. My God. And it's believed that Andy currently is in a mental institution. That was, those were the Kurds' last known whereabouts. Okay, so some theories. The police decided that he had tried to break into the cabin through the chimney. He couldn't pass the barricade and tried to climb back out. So they're saying, saying there was a barricade in the bottom of the chimney. Oh. The grate. So he went down and was like, oh, shit, there's a grate down here. And then, and then tried, tried to, to get out and got up. stuck. But that doesn't make sense because, like, as we were talking before, why wouldn't he try to go through a window or a door? Right. Like, Seems unless- extreme. What's the correlation with him needing to get in this cabin? There is none. Did he know the Big Bird guy? Big Bird? No, the cabin was had been abandoned. I mean, it was there was an owner, but no one had been in it for a decade. It Got was just it. like a storage. Like no one was really. It was. Probably, it might have just been a place he hung out at or something. Right. Maybe he smoked, smoked some weed or something. I read on a Reddit thread just now um, that pe- that there's some theories uh, that's kind of correlated to this that people thought maybe it was a dare or something like break into this cabin. Yeah, this that's abandoned possible. cabin. So, like to answer your question, Maria, like maybe he was breaking into this cabin or wanted to get into this cabin because it was some sort of like dare or maybe this just crossed through my head maybe his brother used to go there secretly to like do drugs or something oh, yeah. his and, brother that killed himself yeah and maybe he just wanted to visit to like pay homage to his brother or something yeah. um maybe his family didn't know that his brother used to go there to kind of like escape and now um yeah. he wanted to go th- i don't know Another theory is that he was with this Andy guy inside the cabin and Andy made him take off his clothes and forced him into the chimney from the bottom. And then the bar counter was used as a barricade. Like Andy was like, take off your clothes, go in the chimney. And then he pushed up whatever was barricading the fireplace to get him stuck in there. And then there possibly was that rebar on top. So he was just kind of like stuck. And then another theory is that he came in through the top. So he got to the chimney through the top and got stuck while he was climbing down. So he tried to go back up through the top, but this means he has to pull himself up. 
Oof. So while he was trying to do this, his shoes and pants came off and his socks. But if something was barricading the entrance to the chimney at the bottom of the chimney, then how would he get his clothes inside the cabin? We don't know if there was, the owner says he put one there, but they never they didn't know if they found one. But that was at the top. I thought he said there was the rebar. But didn't you say there was something that he, that had been pushed? Well, up that's the, the theory chimney? is that there was rebar in the bottom or on the top. Oh. Well, that, I mean, like what Maria's saying is like, you're right. Like that means there definitely wasn't at the bottom. Uh, if for that one theory, if he took off his clothes and dropped them down, if there right. was a rebar there, then like it would have caught the clothes. So yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't think there was a rebar anywhere in there. That's kind of what I think. So he was trying to climb back up, but he didn't have the strength to pull himself the rest of the way up. And after a while, he couldn't hold himself upright any longer. And he got stuck in the fetal position with his knees raised above his head. Like he was trying to hold himself. He just kind of like crumbled. So his clothes being found near the fireplace, but not directly underneath, could be explained by animals Mm -hmm. moving things around. The shoes could have bounced out of the fireplace when they hit the ground. And the owner came back at some point and shoved a table in front of the fireplace because he noticed that animals were still getting inside. So maybe the owner was like, oh, weird, there might be animals getting inside. So I'm going to push this up against the fireplace just so no more animals get inside while Joshua was in there. Because the shoes, like a shoe was there, like a sock was down there. And he's like, oh, weird, animals must have. And then also paradoxical undressing from hypothermia. I was thinking But why would he keep on his therm? Oh, I guess maybe he couldn't get it off. Couldn't get it off. And then another theory is that maybe he had some sort of sexual encounter with Andy. And then Andy tried oh. to kill him and Joshua escaped up the chimney. Maybe. But then there's the Grinch theory. No. Oh, I'm listening. That? <laughs> so remember in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, when the Grinch was climbing down that chimney in Whoville and his feet started moving slower than his body and he got bunched up. I don't recall. I haven't ab- actually ever seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Grinch heads like you. But I believe you. His body goes faster and his feet get kind of stuck and he gets like, he's in the fetal position. He's like wedged in there. Okay. okay. That's like an actual way you can get stuck in a chimney and die. Well, I'm never going to go in a chimney. Well, don't. So, so yeah. back in the don't. 18th and 19th century in Britain, people hired chimney sweeps who had these apprentices or climbing boys who did most of the work for them. Wow. So climbing boys were frequently orphans and as young as three years old. What? Small size was a requirement for chimney sweeps. Can you even walk at three? I don't understand yes, children. I think you can, Allie. I think you definitely you can walk be at able three. To. Oh my god! So, so for that reason, many climbing boys outgrew their job by the time they were nine or ten. And in order to stay a chimney sweep longer, master chimney sweeps often underfed their climbing boys so they could continue to maneuver up and down the stacks that were oftentimes no larger than a mere seven square inches. No joke, the 1800s were crazy. Like, (laughs) if I had a time machine and got sent back to the 1800s, like, it would be my worst nightmare. Like, it was so dirty. There was diseases everywhere. Like People were dying at 30. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like if if you were not the richest of the rich, life was absolutely shit for you. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Unless you lived in like the country, if you lived in like a really nice manor house or something. Well, right. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. If you were rich, but like 
Otherwise, it was like you had eight kids. You were all starving. You were like eating, splitting one piece of bread for dinner. And then your four-year-old was a chimney sweep. Your four-year-old was a chimney sweep. And then your other kids, you were probably selling them to the orphan house because you couldn't afford and you needed the money. Like, it's crazy. Wow. Selling your kids to the orphan house. (laughs) Selling them to the orphan house. And then, and then, like, we learned in the female serial killer episode, then, like, maybe they were being killed. And, like, it's, shit's wild. It is it's wild. crazy. Shit is wild. I think London, we're lucky to be alive now. Like London before like 1950 was like pretty intense. <laughs> you know what? You know what the I realized is that I was thinking about London too. I'm pretty sure the 1800s only existed in London. <laughs> yeah, they didn't exist here. I don't know. No, America was invented in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> I my mom was watching when I was little. My mom was watching. Oh, we were watching um, Wizard of Oz, and you know the beginnings in black and white. Uh-huh. And I asked my mom so earnestly, I was like, "When was color invented?" Like I thought the world was black and white until yeah. one day someone well, invented that's what color. They have you believe that's what the media would have yeah. you believe? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the liberal, <laughs> the liberal, the liberal left media, wing media, the liberal media. <laughs> the world was in black and white. Yeah. Um, okay, so these chimney boys, so their job was to climb from the fireplace up the stock until they came out the top. And as they moved along, they would like clean the soot with the brushes and scrapers. Oh my God, chimney sweeps were the persons who encouraged the climbing boy to go up the stack. They sometimes accomplished this by prodding or even lighting a fire under the climbing boy's feet, which would force him up the stack. Oh my God. It was crazy. So there's this diagram that I found in Mechanics Mechanics Magazine from 1834. There's a diagram about chimney sweeping, and it shows the proper way for a kid to climb up a chimney. One kid is upright with his knees slightly bent, which is the proper way. And then another kid is upright, but he has his knees up to his abdomen, like the fetal position, and he can't move. This can cause positional asphyxia which is a condition where the way your body is contorted prevents the normal in and out motions of breathing. You can't move your diaphragm and that can cause you to die from lack of oxygen. Like the proper way is to like keep your body upright with your knees slightly bent because if you if your knees come up any higher, you'll, you're going to get stuck in the chimney. And so that's possibly what happened with Joshua. Jesus. I can't wait to give this diagram to my kids one day. <laughs> stay out of what? stay out of chimneys. Like, why couldn't these climbing boys just, like, climb a rope up the chimney? And then just go, like, straight vertically down? Like, mission impossible, just, like, straight down? No, but just, like... You'd think. Like, up like this, like, climb a rope, like, in gym class. Yeah, right? I think it's, like, a width issue. Like, I think it's not... I don't think well, it's the... Why are so small? Like... Yeah, they should make them for humans. <laughs> yes. And then I... When I was looking at chimney depths, I found this vice article about people who got stuck in chimneys and died it's a lot of people a lot of people get stuck in chimneys and die the the square footage of a chimney is only two square feet it's so small that needs to change this is ridiculous i there's no reason why this should be our new cause widen (sighs) chimneys the web crawlers let's widen chimneys should we do a (laughs) change.org petition to widen (laughs) chimneys for chimney sweeps (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't know if chimney sweeps are a thing anymore. Well, just wait till I have a three-year-old and then you'll reconsider <laughs> that <laughs> statement. All right. Let's get you up the chimney. So I, I think that I think there's two possibilities. I think that the reason his clothes, his pants and socks and shoes are inside the house is because he took them off because he got stuck going down the chimney. I think he was trying to break in by going down the chimney, not because it was like easier, just because it was like something to do. And then he got stuck and then he tried to get out and he's like, well, maybe if I take off my clothes, I'll be able to like slide down easier. That kind of makes the most sense to me. Yeah, maybe. Oh my God. So someone died recently. Like a few months ago in a chimney, a 14-year-old boy died after being trapped in a chimney where his lungs were unable to expand and contract. Right. That's called asphyxial, positional asphyxia. Yeah. Harley Dilly, December 20th, died in Ohio. They first found Harley's glasses and coat next to the brick chimney, and then they peered (gasps) inside and found his body. Why were his clothes off? I don't know. This is Was he trying to climb up or down? Or like that Andy kid was like, I dare you to climb down this chimney. Like they were just like fucking around. Yeah, I think he must have been maybe with this like Andy kid there. He was maybe like, hey, it's a day before your birthday. Let's like go hang out or like do something weird. And then he said, hey, I dare you to climb down the chimney. And then he did and got stuck. Although I'm still really confused about or yeah, and then I guess there was no grate at the bottom, and then he took off his clothes, um, maybe for paradox paradoxical undressing, or he was hoping that maybe if he started to get undressed, it might make it easier to climb down. Because, but what would that Andy kid not call the police or call for help? That's why I'm like, did he just leave him there, or like? Well, maybe Andy had done some other fucked up stuff. Right. Like maybe Andy had like killed someone or maybe Andy had a rap sheet and he was like, I don't want to call the cops because they'll yeah arrest me for something else. But still, this is so weird. It doesn't make sense. Like nothing makes sense. I do not get it. Um, If you guys have any theories, yeah, what are um, your theories? Because this is so strange. Uh, Melissa, where can people reach us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. Yes, please. Anyways, um, I am Allie, uh, London in the 1800 Seagull. <laughs> and I'm Melissa. I'm a chimney sweep, Stetton. <laughs> and I'm Maria, bad news, Andy Blasucci. <laughs> bad news, bad Andy. News okay, Andy. adios. Bye. Powered by ACAS. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.